So having spoken, I started away from the sea and the galley. But when I was about to pursue my way through the sacred coppice and reach the great palace of Circe of many elixirs, then did Hermes, the god of the gold wand, come to encounter me as I went to the palace, resembling a man in his youthful years with his first mustache, of the age most graceful and pleasing. Taking my hand in his own, he said these words, calling upon me, where, unfortunate man, are you going alone through the hilltops, ignorant so of the place? Those comrades of yours in the house of Circe are kept like hogs, all crowded together in pigpens. Do you arrive here hoping to free them? You will yourself not go back home, I believe. You will stay where all of the rest are. But come, I will deliver you out of these evils and save you. There now, taking this excellent drug, go onward to Circe's house, so that it from your head might ward off the day of affliction. I will describe to you all the malevolent cunning of Circe. She will prepare you a potion and throw drugs into your victuals, but she will not be able to charm you so, for the noble drug I give you will not let her. Each thing I will tell you. Just at the moment that Circe is thrusting at you with her long staff, hastily then you, drawing your keen sword out of its thigh sheath, rush towards Circe as if in a rage intending to kill her. She, in terror of you, will invite you to bed in her chamber. Do not hesitate then, or say no to the bed of a goddess, so that your comrades she may release and provide for your own wants. But first bid her to swear the great oath of the blessed immortals, she is not plotting against you another infliction of evil, lest when you are stripped naked she make you weak and unmanly. So having spoken, the drug he gave me, the slayer of Argos, plucking it up from the ground, and he also showed me its nature. Down at the root it was black, but the color of milk was the flower. Moly is what it is called by the gods, and for men who are mortal, hard is the labor to dig it, but all things gods can accomplish. Straightway Hermes departed to go toward lofty Olympus over the forested island, and so to the palace of Circe I set forth, and in me as I went was the heart much troubled. Soon I stood at the doors of the goddess with beautiful tresses. There as I stood I called, and the goddess heard what I uttered. Throwing the bright doors open, she came out quickly and started calling, and I went following her in my spirit lamenting. Leading me in, she gave me an armchair studded with silver, beautiful, skillfully made, and beneath for my feet was a footstool. Then she made me a potion to drink in a gold-wrought goblet, into it throwing a drug, in her heart she was pondering evils. After she gave it to me, and I drank, though it did not charm me, she struck me with her wand and said these words, calling upon me, Go now, get in the pigpen, and lie with the rest of your comrades. So she spoke, and I, drawing my keen sword out of its thigh sheath, rushed toward Circe as if in a rage intending to kill her, Loudly she screamed, ran under the sword to my knees, and embraced them. Sorrowing then she spoke, and in these winged words she addressed me. Who are you? Whence do you come? What city is yours, and what parents? 
I am amazed that you drank these drugs and were not enchanted, seeing that never were such drugs borne by any man else when once he had drunk them, and over the fence of his teeth they had entered. There is indeed some unbewitchable mind in your bosom. You are Odysseus, adept and resourceful, whom always the god who carries the gold wand, slayer of Argos, predicted would come here, as you returned back homeward from Troy on your swift black galley. But come, put the sword back in the sheath, then let us together go in the palace and get into bed, so that when we have mingled there in bed and in love, we may give our trust to each other. So she spoke, and in turn I addressed her, giving an answer. How then, Circe, can you now bid me to deal with you gently, you who here in your palace have made pigs out of my comrades? Having me here myself, with a treacherous mind you are bidding me to go into your chamber and get in bed, so that you, while I have been stripped quite naked, can make me weak and unmanly. I will be quite unwilling to get in bed there beside you, if you will not deign, goddess, to swear me an oath of the strongest, you are not planning against me another infliction of evil. So I spoke, and at once she swore it, as I had demanded. But then, when she had sworn and had brought her oath to completion, I got into the bed, most lovely and splendid, of Circe. Meanwhile the handmaids busied themselves with work in the chambers, four of them, who are the servants she keeps for herself in the palace. All these women of hers are the issue of springs, and of wooded groves, and of sacred rivers that flow down into the sea brine. One of the four threw over the armchairs beautiful purple blankets above for the seats, having spread fine cloth underneath them. Meanwhile, another one drew into place in front of the armchairs tables of silver and baskets of gold she put there upon them. As for the third, she mixed sweet wine, honey-hearted, in silver mixing bowls, and distributed two gold goblets for drinking. Lastly, the fourth maid brought in water and kindled a blazing fire there under the great bronze cauldron and heated the water. When in the shimmering cauldron, the water was boiling, she sat me down in the bathtub to wash me, and mixing the water to pleasing warmth from the cauldron, she poured it over my head and my shoulders, till from my limbs it had taken the spirit-destroying exhaustion. When she had bathed me and rubbed me richly with oil of the olive, she threw garments about me, a beautiful cloak and a tunic. Leading me in, she gave me an armchair studded with silver, beautiful, skillfully made, and beneath for my feet was a footstool. Hand-washing water, a maid then carried to us in a lovely gold-wrought pitcher, and over a basin of silver she poured it, so we could wash. Nearby she set out a well-polished table. Carrying food, the revered housekeeper approached us and set it close to us, many a dish she gladly supplied from her storage. Then she bade us to eat but to my heart nothing was pleasing. I sat thinking of different things. My heart boded evil. Circe, as soon as she noticed that I just sat there and did not stretch my hands to the food, and that powerful sorrow possessed me, stood there close to my side, and in these winged words she addressed me. 
Why in this way are you sitting, Odysseus, resembling a voiceless man so, eating your heart, not touching the drink or the victuals? Some other treachery you are expecting, perhaps, but you need not fear, since I already have sworn you an oath of the strongest. So she spoke, and in turn I addressed her, giving an answer. Circe, indeed, what man would he be who, thinking a right, could ever endure to begin partaking of drink or of victuals till his companions were freed, and with his own eyes he had seen them? But if to drink and to eat you bid me, and mean it sincerely, free them, so that I see with my eyes my trustworthy comrades. So did I say. Then Circe at once went out through the palace, holding her staff in her hand. She opened the doors of the pigpen. Then she drove out the men, who were nine-year-old hogs in appearance. They stood there in a group just opposite, going among them some other drug she used to anoint each one of the comrades. Off of their limbs fell all of the hair that before had been made to grow by the baleful drug given them by Circe, the goddess. Quickly they all turned back into men, now younger than ever, much more handsome as well, and of mightier size to behold them. Then they knew me, and each one took my hand in his handclasp. Over us all came longing to weep, and around us the palace dreadfully, loudly resounded. The goddess herself felt pity. Straightway, standing beside me, the glorious goddess addressed me. Zeus sprung son of Laertes, Odysseus of many devices, you go down to the swift ship now and the shore of the deep sea. First of all, drag your ship out onto the land from the water. Next, into caves, put all your possessions and all of the tackling. Then you yourself come back, lead hither your trustworthy comrades. So she spoke, and the valorous spirit in me was persuaded. I set out for the swift ship then, and the shore of the deep sea. There on the swift ship I discovered the trustworthy comrades, raising a piteous moan, pouring out great tears in abundance. As at a time calves bred in the country, around the returning cows of the herd, which enter the dung-yard sated with grazing, all go skipping together in front of them, nor do the cow-pens hold them in any more, but incessantly lowing, about their mothers they run, so did they, as with their own eyes they beheld me, pour forth weeping around me, as if to the spirit in them it seemed they had come back home to the land of their fathers, to rugged Ithaca's city itself, where they had been gotten and nurtured. Sorrowing then they spoke, and in these winged words they addressed me. We are as happy that you have returned to us, Zeus-sprung lord, as if we had reached our houses in Ithaca, land of our fathers. But come, tell us the tale of the loss of the other companions. So they spoke, and in turn these comforting words I addressed them. First let us drag our ship out onto the land from the water. Next, into caves, put all our possessions and all of the tackling. Then press onward yourselves, and with me all follow together, so you may see the companions, as they in the sacred abode of Circe are drinking and eating, for they have food in abundance. So I spoke, and at once they heeded the words I had uttered. Only Eurylochus wanted to hold back all the companions. Raising his voice, he spoke, 
and in these winged words he addressed them. Poor friends, where are we going? And why do we want these evils, following on to the palace of Circe, who surely will turn us all into hogs, or perhaps into wolves, or again into lions, so that we keep watch over her great house under compulsion? Just as the Cyclops acted, the time when into his inner yard our comrades came, and with them went valiant Odysseus. For by his recklessness, they too then came to destruction. So he spoke, and at once in my mind I began to consider drawing the keen-edged sword from its sheath on my powerful thigh and cutting his head from his body to throw it down on the ground there, though we were closely related by marriage. But the companions held me back, one after another, with words of persuasion. Zeus sprung, Lord, let us leave him behind now, if you command it, here by the galley to stay and to keep watch over the galley while you show us the way to the sacred palace of Circe. So they spoke, and they went up then from the ship and the seashore. Nor was Eurylochus left back there by the hollow galley, but he followed, for he was afraid of my savage reproaches.